Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Fish. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we are actually going to talk about a little fish, but a lot of barbecue as well. Yeah, if you're, this is one of our favorite slash least favorite things to record every year. It's great to recap the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, but it also means if we're recapping it, that means it's over. Yeah, and I mean, capping is a good word to put because we got to put a cap on it because, my God, I am so overweight after this trip. It is not going to be funny, but what a wonderful, wonderful trip. Once again, I mean, Charleston as a city, as a food destination, is really one of the best and the event itself is incomparable yeah it's it's such a great time coming here and we're so lucky to have been able to come now it's our third year um, we, we've had a great partnership with the festival they've been very very nice to us giving us some great platforms to share stories and it's it's been a lot of fun but we'll we'll kind of start at the beginning and work our way through the festival um, so let's start we we landed wednesday afternoon march 1st um, festival kicks off in the evening so of course we had a little bit of time for opening night event of the festival and we chose to do what with that we went to chubby fish yeah um, we ate before we ate yes well you know we have to pregame, right <laughs> yeah chubby fish is if you're not aware it's one of the more highly regarded restaurants in charleston everyone that we've talked to in the food world's like have you been to chubby fish you got to get to chubby fish and uh, kind of in a similar vein to barbecue um, since they don't take reservations they tend to have a line of people waiting to get in the restaurant it's a pretty small restaurant yeah, our, our favorite thing was we got there about 30 minutes early and somebody came up to us and they they had no idea how lines work yeah yeah <laughs> this older gentleman said, yeah how does this work i'm like um you you sit down and eat so like, i don't really know how to answer that question you wait until they open the doors <laughs> and then you go inside like, what if i'm not hungry here well then why are you here <laughs> it was a uh, it was pretty interesting but no we uh we got right into chubby fish as, as soon as it opened um sat down and checked out the menu and it's uh, a mixture of smaller plates, uh, you know, some bigger plates, but it's mostly meant to be shared. You order, you know, a few dishes for the table and, and kind of share everything. And that's what we did. And we had some some incredible, incredible food there. You know, between the small and the large plates, we got a little of each um, and tried not to overdo it because, again, we were uh, immediately after this, we were going to go eat again. So um, but the caviar sandwich, so simple, but what an, just like the bite works so well yeah and i can't tell you how many different people before we'd eaten there and and after had sent us messages or talked talk to us about you gotta get the caviar sandwich i know it sounds goofy but it's so damn good and it it's literally like a small little slider roll uh filled with caviar and butter and and that's it and yeah, it, it was just toasted it, like the, yeah. the way the toasted worked, the butter and the, it, uh, it was I just it was delicious so it went now indulgent and excessive <laughs> and everything you want um, yeah, but then it got more indulgent and excessive. Yes, and, and shout out to Jonathan Fox from Fox Brothers, who, as soon as he found out we were there, said, you know, you, you've got to order the swordfish schnitzel with caviar butter. And Roy, oh, okay, uh, that sounds amazing. It sounds kind of crazy, but if, if Jonathan Fox is telling me to get it, it's probably pretty darn good. Yeah, it, it was a very large plate, and it was a very large item. Um, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the giant chicken fried steak in Texas, except for it's swordfish. 
Yeah, and it's swordfish, you know, pounded flat and breaded like a like a schnitzel would be a traditional schnitzel, um, really well fried and then covered, and I mean smothered and covered in caviar butter. And it came with a potato puree, which was also excellent. Like the whole plate was just great, and it was a lot of food. Yeah, I mean it was it was giant. You know, it, it's it's not a bargain basement price, but that's what you would expect at a restaurant like this. But the amount of food you got for that price was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was especially it was, for us fast. It was a really good meal, really good meal, and got us ready for our next meal, which was like two hours later. Um, that was the the opening night event at Charleston Wine and Food, and I'll say this just to, to kick it off. If you're able to come to this festival, if you're in Charleston or wanting to come to Charleston to come to this festival, we understand that some of these events are expensive and you may you know, only be able to afford to go to one event or two events or whatever it may be. I would My personal recommendation is if you can only go to a couple of events, go to opening night and go to the finale. Yep. And then pick one, like, like the World of Q, if you're into barbecue right. or one of the seafood-based ones if you wanted to hit a seafood one. Right, yeah. but but the, the two, the opening and closing events of this festival are just awesome. I mean, so many great bites. Well, there's so much excitement, too. Like, yeah. the, the crowd is excited on opening night, and they're also excited on closing night because they're thinking about the whole event, and this is the last one. So, like, the the rush of excitement is there as well in addition to the food. And there's live music at both events, too. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really, really good. But opening night... Yeah, as Brian said, live band playing the entire time. God knows how many different food vendors, drink vendors, everything from beer to wine to spirits, um, and, and lots of it. Lines are lines were very very reasonable at these. I mean, there were some that would have a you know a little bit of a line. And when I say a line, I'm talking you might wait seven to ten minutes to get your your sample. I don't think anything ran much longer than that at this event. No, and those were at peak times, not the whole event anyway, right. at some vendors. And usually it's because the vendor was, was trying to build something a little more complex than really needed to be at a festival. But, right. Yeah. And I will say, because I know most of our audience is probably more used to going to barbecue events than, than like wine and food festivals. And in, anyone that's been to enough barbecue events knows that like most vendors tend to run out of food a couple hours into into the festival and there's a lot that plays into that it's not a criticism of the you know of the businesses that are running out of food it's you know you the stipends sometimes may not be great things like that at this event and that's just and charleston wine food's a little different you don't they don't see them run out of food super fast eventually everyone will but it's not you don't feel like you have to run from booth to booth to booth right away to get to everything. Right. And and that's one thing that I noticed about these events that you don't really see very much at the barbecue festivals is a lot of people were showing up, you know, an hour into the event. Yeah. Um, I would not recommend that either. But <laughs> but um, if you do that at some of the barbecue events, you're you're out of luck. Right. Um, so some of the, the good bites that we had there um, included, I mean, I'll, I'll start with the, the lychee raspberry croissant from baguette magic um, we were told by somebody to go eat it that was walking around and and it was just it was a great bite i mean all around and a huge bite like yes. that was a i mean it wasn't a, it wasn't a regular size croissant but it wasn't a mini croissant either um and yeah it was dipped in white chocolate it had a lychee and raspberry filling in the middle of the croissant it was really darn good and uh, another one that we kind of geeked out on uh, a restaurant called la farfel um, did a porchetta sandwich with hog that they that they roast like i think it was like a spit roast was that he was telling us and there's a salsa verde that went with it there's cheese that goes in it and they were assembling it in these in this massive 
what do you want? I mean, I guess it's a massive bread. And then they would cut it to order. It was, I mean, it was really cool watching him do it, watching him assemble right. it. Uh, but it was really good. And it actually turns out that the chef was originally from Spring, Texas, um, and ended up cooking in New York. And now he's in Charleston. Um, but that was a really good bite. It, and and the other thing about all of these events, adult beverages are included, as well as non-alcoholic. Um, but we had a, a lo-fi brewing, a really good uh, kind of like Mexican lager from there as well. Yeah. Night. Yeah. So, again, re- really good drinks, really good food. Nice setting. It's at the char- like the kind of the courtyard of the College of Charleston. So it's pretty, pretty centrally located in town. Um, it was, it's easy to, to get to in terms of like a ride share or... I'm, I, we've parked. We parked there last year because we'd rented a car last year, so we'd parked fairly close to there last year as well. Um, but but that was kind of our kickoff to the festival. And we uh, went back to the hotel and got ready because Thursday was our by far our most ambitious and biggest day of eating of the entire week. That one was rough. Yeah, I mean, and rough in a good way. In a great way. In a great way. Yeah. So uh, first off, for lunch, uh, we went out of the festival. Is is what we're doing in these trips is in between eating, we go out and eat. Um, and we hit up Swig and Swine for, uh, we found out it was Whole Hog Day. Yeah. Well, our original goal was like, oh, let's, because we, we really wanted to get as much hash as we could in this trip because we love South Carolina hash and rice. Um, so we're like, well, let's at least get to Swig and Swine, just even if it's just for some sides and some hash or something. But then when we got there, um, when we've been to Swig and Swine before, of course, Anthony DiBernardo has been on our show. Um, but we uh, we got there and the sign outside said, Whole Hog Thursday. And we're like, oh, well, it's Thursday. <laughs> so, of course, we had to order the hog. And the hog was really good. And the hash was just delicious. Yes, yes. And, and our first pimento cheese of the trip. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and just a little sidebar here. We, we did have someone comment to us on Twitter about how unattractive and unphotogenic hash is. And so, so yeah. It's just more for us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, sorry, uh, chili's not the most appealing thing in the world to look at either, but it's delicious. Not not all food has to look like an Instagram work of art. And we try to take pictures of our food and present it in the best light possible, but we're just using, I mean, but, we're not walking around with camera equipment, plating right. stuff but, separate. But hash is not designed to be a pretty food. It's a, right. it's, it's but a, we're not going to sprinkle like parsley on top of hash and then put a, a drizzle of something red next to it just for a photo. We're going to... And we're showing you pictures of what we're eating. Yeah, and, and it's darn delicious. Yep. Um, but yes, Swig and Swine was great. Really enjoyed that visit, as always. Um, and then we got to check into our hotel for the weekend. Um, again, thank you to, to Charleston Wine and Food, who who gave us a great opportunity here at the Fulton Lane Inn, um, which is a historic hotel right in downtown Charleston that we got to stay in. And it's a, it, it's a pretty cool little spot. Yeah, I mean, walking distance, obviously, to, to many things, including shops, food, uh, coffee, like Rise Coffee Bar, um, and uh, oysters everywhere you can look as well. Yeah, and they had like a nightly wine and cheese hour that, unfortunately, we were never there during that specific <laughs> hour to enjoy that. But then they have like an evening sherry where you just go to the lobby and you can get a glass of sherry. I have to own sherry. All right, anyway. So, and that we did indulge in a couple of times. Um, but yeah, it was, oh, and, and of course they, uh, they deliver breakfast to your room every morning. Yes, yes. So we, yeah, we were very spoiled. Fulton Lane Inn was a great place to stay, great location, really enjoyed it. Um, but after checking in, dropped our bags off and then it was time for more eating. Uh, we, we couldn't be here for five, six days and not go to Leon's at least once. Yeah. It become, obviously become a, a must stop for us and it's a must stop for many people, but 
classic two things they have this time we only indulged in one but classic oysters and some crazy good fried chicken as well yeah yeah we, we skipped the fried chicken this time because of how much we were eating and and oysters tend to be less filling even if you do order two dozen of them like we did only two dozen this time. <laughs> only two yeah. yes it's less than we ordered last time uh but but yeah i really enjoyed leon's as always just cold beer oysters fried chicken what else could you want in the world um but again another great visit and uh, and from there, I think there was probably a little bit of a pause in between there. Maybe we went back to the room. I don't remember at this point. But uh, but our next eating of the of the day was at a place that I, I'm just so excited with their food and, and and how they have chosen to create their business, and that's Jackrabbit Philly. Yeah, I mean, it, wonderful, wonderful combination of cultures. You know, you you have the Chinese, and then you have other influences built in and of course charleston so there's a little bit of everything mixed in there as well right and you will hear more about jackrabbit in future episodes but but just to give you just a brief interlude into them um shui and Corey wong moved from new york um, to charleston and uh, opened up a food truck serving japanese food um, because shui has a very uh, a very long history of of cooking around New York and uh, his last restaurant before he moved to Charleston was a uh, uh, Japanese izakaya. And so they were cooking Japanese food out of a food truck. were really successful for that nominated for James Beard and then decided to, uh, to open a restaurant and, and Shui is Chinese. He, he was born in Beijing and, and moved to New York as a kid, um, but wanted to cook some more food that was a little more personal to him that, you know, flavors that he grew up with, but also, you know, kind of with twists. And so there's creative specials on the menu all the time. And, and the food is just delicious. Absolutely delicious. The Some of the highlights of what we had on, on this meal were the garlicky greens, Brian. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of funny because it's, again, it's that combination of cultures, but also bringing in the new. It, it just had such a, a powerful... Uh, a jus with it i don't know what you would call that yeah, but yeah, yeah it was i mean so it was good i mean yeah. I, yeah i don't think it was a super complicated dish it was a lot of garlic broccoli and, you know there's some soy in there i mean it was just it, everything sang everything worked together it was so darn good um we had the hot chicken karage which is exactly what you think it is if you've had chicken karage before like i know just to bring it back to barbecue loro serves a very a very popular chicken karage dish um but it's a japanese fried you know, twice fried, super crispy um, piece of chicken with like a kind of a Nashville hot chicken type of sauce or seasoning on it. Uh, but it's not super spicy. It's a more, I think it's a Sichuan pepper, which is not a like crazy spicy, spicy pepper. It's more of a like tingly, get you as you eat it sort of pepper. So I thought the spice level on it was great. Um, the crab bow was really good too. We just had so much good food from them. Yes, we, and we had to pace ourselves. So we would have ordered even more, but right. Because then we're going to a barbecue focused event right after that. Yeah. Yeah. This we, is the same day folks. Yeah. This is all the same day. <laughs> we had like five meals. Today. Um, no, we went to the world of Q event, which of course, you know, that's one of the events we're going to be most excited for. It's right in our wheelhouse. And a lot of people we know were there and, um, so we, we got there to at the Firefly Distillery, um, and that's uh, kind of North Charleston area. A lot of the events are in the North Charleston area, which is a really nice area of town. Yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna say uh, we've said it in the other recaps, but the the events you know so there's over a hundred events outside of the daily culinary village. They include bar takeovers and events like the World of Q, and each event is in a different location around town, and so you get 
that, that's the wonderful part of it is you get to experience Charleston and these food events. So um, the location was cool at an actual distillery, um, which, oh, yeah, we walked from Jackrabbit to this event. Yes, yeah, we actually, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. we ended up walking. It was less, I think it was less than a mile between yeah. the two spots. Yeah, and, there we was actually, a, and we stopped at a brewery on yeah, the way. There was a brewery on the way, and yeah. had a beer, so. so. Yeah, so we were ready to go, um, and, uh, you know, this was, this was us. This was the world of Q event. So um, you knew we were going to hit this one pretty hard and heavy. Um, you know, uh, Leonard and Truth were there. Yeah, mm-hmm. serving uh, serving pastrami. Um, Jack Rabbit also was there. In case we hadn't had enough of them, we had an, <laughs> an hour later we got to have another another good bite from them. It was like they did a hot pot Brunswick stew, um, which if you're not familiar with Brunswick stew, it's it kind of originated around this part of the country. Some people debate whether it originated in Virginia or Georgia, whatever, um, but around this part of the country, and so it's served at a lot of the barbecue places. Um, and what it is, it's it's kind of a traditionally it was kind of like a leftover stew. We would have vegetables, any leftover meats that you know the restaurant or the families would have for the week. Um, but they made a hot pot Brunswick stew, which kind of ties in Shui's you know Chinese cooking with it. Um, really good flavor on that. Palmira blew us away with his sausage. Yes, uh, Hector mm-hmm. Garate Palmira barbecue. Have to barbecue. be careful the way you say that. It well. It is what it is. Uh, <laughs> Hector from Palmyra served a pianono sausage, which pianono is a traditional Puerto Rican dish made with plantains, beef, cheese, and then pretty much everything went into that sausage, and the flavor was just killer. Yeah, I mean, it was a sausage that had those flavors, so it wasn't over the top or anything. It was really good. Um, we also had uh, fish hash from Cuda Company. Yeah, I, I like the creativity on that because obviously, you know, we talked about hash and rice so many times. It's such a traditional thing in barbecue and in South Carolina. Um, but this was a, a seafood restaurant that was at the event. And so the, to kind of tie what they do into barbecue with a fish hash was pretty creative. I thought it was I thought it was a pretty creative dish. And then uh, another Houston connection. We had Fluff Bake Bar at this event. Uh, and Becky was serving a... Bacon fat ginger snap with Fijis barbecue tallow caramel. Yeah, it was a great, great bite. Nicely executed. Could have probably ate much more of those, but we were we were filling ourselves to the brim. Right, and there were so many good bites there. Like I said, there's a lot of great barbecue there. Lawrence barbecue was there. Anthony DiBernardo and Swing and Swine were there. I mean, there was there's so much really good barbecue all around that event. And like I said, a cool setting. And again, every one of these events had live music had drinks you know beer wine spirits it's the theme of this it's a food and i mean i guess they could have called it a you know food and alcohol festival yeah but yes, but yes. but it's a it's it's a great great experience and that was that was how we capped off our thursday and then uh friday we had to go to work yeah friday um but before we went to work we ate yes so walking distance was miller's all day um, and we had a light breakfast of uh, shrimp and grits with biscuits and gravy. Yes, yeah, we, we kept it light. Uh, we we knew we were going to be, mo- we weren't going to be able to eat f- until probably dinner time. So we had a pretty heavy breakfast that morning, and then uh, we had to go to the Culinary Village. Um, which again, if we haven't, if you haven't listened to previous recaps, there's a headquarters of the festival where where a lot of things take place. Um, and the, the last two years, they've moved that headquarters to Riverfront Park in North, North Charleston, which is a gorgeous setting. It's right there on the water, plenty of space. I mean, it's it's a really, really cool you know setting to get there. You do have to walk a little bit um, you know, to get into the festival. But once you're in there, I mean, it's, it's just gorgeous. Um, but they approached us with an opportunity this year 
they were putting on what they called the podcast cafe inside the culinary village where they were going to have different podcasts come and interview guests and and they, i mean they gave us complete autonomy on it they, you know the, the guest roster was entirely up to us who we wanted to have on the show and and who we could get on the show and uh, they want us to do a four-hour block on Friday from one to five, um, and so we decided on three guests that really, really wanted to to showcase. Our kind of focus on this was we wanted to showcase as much of Charleston as we could because we're at the Charleston One Food event, um, and there's so many great restaurants and chefs to choose from, and pitmasters to choose from. So um, we chose to reach out to. Uh, Hector Garate from Palmyra Barbecue, which I know we had had Hector on the previous year. So just to tie in some more of his restaurant, um, we we also asked if we could have Marvin Ross, his pig farmer, come and join him to to have a discussion not just about the restaurant but about the the pork he serves because he serves some of the highest quality pork available. Um, so we had Hector and Marvin on, and then our second hour, we we had Jackrabbit Philly. We had. Corey and Shwai, and we also had Brandon. Yeah, and Brandon Olson. Uh, so if, you, if you're not familiar yet, um, Jackrabbit Philly is opening a second concept. It's going to be called King Barbecue. Um, it's going to be Chinese-American barbecue, and it's got a really cool connection. And again, this is what we find so interesting about what Shwai does is he, he tries to connect those different cultures of you know within a restaurant and he's I think he's going to be doing a great job of it here it's going to have a lot of his Chinese influence but Brandon Olson who's going to be the pitmaster and chef de cuisine at this place is going to be infusing some of what he grew up with and he grew up uh, in the Piedmont area of North Carolina uh, with you know the red slaw chopped pork that sort of thing and so it's going to have some flavors of that traditional carolina north carolina barbecue that he grew up with and then schwai's chinese flavors as well and and as much as you talk about uh charleston and and i and the history and everything else there's somebody who's by far much more of an expert which is robert moss he was our third guest yes uh, robert moss who was again on the show last year was one of our favorite episodes last year was a lot of other people's favorite episode last year um, because he's just such a wealth of knowledge and information and insight about the history of food and the history of barbecue and and we really wanted to have another discussion with robert because there's plenty to talk about and one we kind of focused this one a little differently than than our episode from last year we wanted to talk about the history of food in Charleston um, because he recently, just last year, released a book called uh, The Lost Southern Chefs, A History of Commercial Dining in the 19th Century. And a lot of that is focused on Charleston as well as other cities. So we wanted to really focus the episode on not only the history of Charleston, but also the Charleston's cur current dining scene. Because in addition to all of the books he writes and the top 50 list he makes for Southern Living, Robert is also the restaurant critic for the Post and Courier newspaper here in Charleston. So he's also very plugged into the current dining scene. So it was it was really cool to get to sit down with Robert and talk about a myriad of things. We touch on barbecue a little bit as, you know, also in the episode, but we really want to have a kind of a wide-ranging discussion. And it was about, you know, the as you mentioned, the history of barbecue kind of how I mean, history of food in Charleston, kind of how the restaurants came to be, very very interesting. And we talked a little bit about southern spirits as well because Again, to tie that back into the, the, the adult beverage portion of this event. Um, it was a really, really enjoyable conversation. As always, we could spend literally hours and hours and hours uh, talking with Robert, and would, I'd love to have him on the show again. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, as long as he keeps writing books, we're just going to keep having him on. <laughs> and even if he doesn't, we'll keep having him on because he's just so interesting and, and he's got so much information. 
but had had a, such a great time recording those episodes. The, the you know shout out to the the volunteers that worked that festival that were super helpful to us. Uh, everything ran smoothly. You know we were just really excited and happy. It was just such a thrill for us to get to do this at the Culinary Village and and be an official part of the festival. Right, and a big glass booth so we could we could watch people as they walked by and sat down and waved at the at at the our guests and it was just. Like I said, it was it was wonderful to be part of it. Um, love to do it again if we have the opportunity. Absolutely, sure. yeah, and a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, so from there, I mean, we were literally there until the Culinary Village closed at five o'clock. So we didn't really get a chance to to enjoy the Culinary Village and all the different food and drink it had to, to you know to offer. Um, but we were gonna, we knew we'd be back there on a, on a future day of the trip. So from there, we uh, we had another event that night, and this was the El Barrio event. Um, which, you know, showcase different Latin foods, um, Mexican food, Argentinian food, Puerto Rican food. Um, there's just a lot of really, and, and of course, again, we're talking, they, I think they had a DJ at this one instead of a yeah, live they, band, right? Yeah, they had a DJ yeah. with a dance floor, obviously playing Latin music. Right in front of that DJ, there was, in addition to multiple bars and booths, but there was a bar serving some excellent margaritas. Um, they even had Mexican Cokes at one of the booths. That, that they, really did make me yeah. laugh. Um, because I mean, we're we're from Texas. We drink Mexican Coke like whenever we want. But I guess maybe it's a little more of a treat here. I don't know. Uh, but it was just, it was funny to have an actual booth dedicated just to Mexican Coke. Uh, but no, some really good bites again at that event. Uh, once again, Palmira Barbecue. Hector had another great dish, whole hog hash and rice, which of course we were so glad because we've been raving about Hector's hash and rice for the last year. And we wouldn't have been able to get it otherwise. Oh, right, yeah. right. So so it was it was great to. Uh, Great to get some more hash. Uh, and then he had plantains with that. Also, there were some really good empanadas at that event. Um, just, again, amazing yeah, food. Yeah, Diego empanadas. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it was, and, and those are just like a couple of the bites oh, that right. you know, we, we don't have enough time to talk about every item we ate and, and right. how good every single item was. But, sure. but another just killer event. Enjoyed ourselves immensely. Um, and then we, we knew we were, you know us, we're gonna, if we can find a way to sneak in any sort of road trip, we're going to try to do it. Um, so we, we had not rented a car for the entire trip. We'd been doing ride shares the entire time. Um, but we wanted to get out of town a little bit, and we had some free time Friday, uh, Saturday morning. So we rented a car and drove to a place that we've come to love very, very much because yeah, it, of one specific amazing item. Yeah, and it, it was really tough to try to pick where we were going to go because there was multiple directions and, and only so much time in the day. We couldn't just, like, skip out of this for an entire day. Right. I have no reason why we'd want to, but, um, yeah, Heights Barbecue in West Columbia serves a dish that we believe they may be the only people in the entire world serving this item. Right. I, I have certainly never seen this sold anywhere else. Um, and, and again, we won't go too into detail because you've heard us talk about it, but it's the rib cut um, from the whole hog. It's a, you can order, they, they refer to it as a rib cut, and it is a section of the hog that is rib bones attached to belly meat, attached to crispy skin, cooked on direct heat. And so you get all of those flavors from the coals, you get the fatty Midlands part of the hog, and you get that super crispy skin, and it's just, it's perfection. It's awesome. I love it. I think it's, I think it's just one of those, per, like, I don't know what else to call it. It's one of those perfect bites of barbecue. Yeah, and and, it, and we understand why most people don't serve this. Oh, because absolutely. It, it's hard to section that out, and then you're losing other meat that you want to mix in if you're mixing or chopping your whole hog. Um, but it, it's great. Yeah. And then we also got more hash, of course, because of course. It's, you know, they have hash. Their prices there are insanely cheap. 
Yes. Um, you know, please go support these small businesses like these folks. I mean, obviously, uh, the other restaurants we mentioned earlier, but um, this is one of those ones that we, we need it to remain because <laughs> we want to go there every time. Yeah. And so if you do want to go to Heights Barbecue, again, it's in West Columbia, South Carolina. They're open Fridays and Saturdays at 10 a.m. They do tend to take vacation from time to time, and they do not have a social media presence. So highly, highly, highly recommend if you're trying to go there, call you know, before you before you head that way, you know, maybe the day before you head that way and and make sure they're open. You can reserve your rib cut if you want to. Uh, but I would recommend getting there right at open because we've gotten there at open twice and the rib cut was amazing. And then we we knew on our hog trip last year we'd be getting there late. And so we pre-ordered it and didn't get there until like two in the afternoon. And it just wasn't the same because they, you know, it had been cut and put in a warmer for, for hours. And that's just not the best way to eat barbecue. Right. And they, they, as you mentioned, they sell out of the rib cut. So you need, excuse me, you do need to either reserve it or get there early. If you show up an hour after they open, they may not have any. Right. And that, that would be just a travesty to drive all the way and not get it. Yes. Um, but yeah, get to Heights in West Columbia. Um, on the way back, we grabbed a little bit more hash. Yeah, we stopped at Big T's. Uh, it's a place that Robert Moss had, had told us about, and uh, he loved the hash there. And we again, we didn't want to order a whole meal just because we knew how much eating we'd be doing. Uh, so we just got the hash there. Um, and, and we we did realize something pretty hilarious while we were traveling around. When we rented the car, we didn't pay any attention. But um, but as we're walking back to the car, Brian sees the license plate of the car, and is like, "What?" And the license plate. We kid you not started with the letters BBQ. Yeah, I was like, I was just freaking out because I'm like, we didn't ask to reserve that. Of course, we didn't pick it out from a lineup. The lady that we we rented from, we had talked about barbecue. She didn't even say anything because it was written on the keychain. We didn't we didn't see that. Yeah, so it's just one of those like only only could that happen to us. <laughs> but from there, uh, we got back to festival activities, Brian. Yeah, we did. Um, it's called Cocktail Queens. It is a it was a drag queen event that included obviously performance from drag queens, and then and then again like everything, the food was kind of themed. So like, uh, Fluff Bake had a dish that that had uh, sparkles on it, uh, glitter. You know, so it was like it was it was kind of fun. Again, once again, and the drinks there, they had a lot of uh, drinks that were very flavorful, over the top drinks. Um, and so it was it was just a lot of fun of uh, once again food and drink yeah uh, really really good food oh. there korean corn dogs that were really good a caramel shrimp and hoe cake that was really good um and we do, do need to say we did stop up the, there's a media happy hour um that that has happened every year at the festival that that we've been fortunate to be invited to and some great bites there and speaking of bites i can't go without saying this my god charleston has these little things they're called no seams. They're called no seams. I, I, I saw a commercial years and years ago for like some, you know, bug spray. And I thought that was just a generic term for any biting bugs, but it's actually like a specific type of bug here. Yeah. They're called no seams. They're these tiny little gnat type bugs that bite the holy crap out of you. And I don't know if it's the brisket tallow coursing through my veins or what, but they're very, very attracted to me. And I have gotten absolutely eaten alive. And it, this only happened at this one this one evening on Saturday evening where they were just all over the place, like to the point where we were literally grabbing bites of food and like running for cover. Um, but they ate up my arms, ate up my legs. Holy moly. Those things do not play around. Um, so, so yes. And they're out this time of year every year. So very yeah, right, right at, you know, dawn and dusk. Um, there, you know, 
it is what it is. There's nothing the event can do of about that. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do also want to mention that the Cocktail Queens was at a place called the Refinery, another amazing spot to have an event. And the, yeah. it was the first time we'd been to that location. Right. Too. And the yeah. media happy hour was at Circa 1886, which is just this beautiful location. Um, but again, so much good food, so many great locations. Um, and, and, you know, again, we, we never stopped eating. So after we left the happy hour, we went to the Cocktail Queens event. After we left the Cocktail Queens event, we went back to the hotel. What's the best way to, after all of that, what's what's the best way to kind of, you know, settle the, the night? It's a salad and, and some water? Or, or some queso and <laughs> yeah, yeah, some, nachos. Some, and Yeah, some Mexican food, right? So uh, so we went to, we were, we were so excited about this. You know, John Lewis, Lewis Barbecue, has opened a, a, a Mexican restaurant in Charleston. And knowing how he did his Lewis Barbecue, we were excited to see how is he, how is he going to pull this off. Um, and, you know, the simplest, maybe simplest thing you can say is that he's making the tortillas, he's nixtamalizing, he's actually frying those for the chips as well. He's using local Johnny Red corn in with the corn. I mean, that's just for the, that's just for the chips and the tortillas. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such an impressive operation. The menu is great. The food was top notch. Like it, if this, if this restaurant was in Houston, I would be going to it regularly. But the fact that it's in Charleston where I'm sure a lot of the locals have not had this level of Mexican food before. Um, it is just top notch. Yeah. Uh, we, we were so impressed. We ordered, uh, a, we ordered a queso dish. We ordered, nachos we had chili reno we had enchiladas um, we had margaritas the margarita was great <laughs> yeah and it's and, just and the food is cooked with real mesquite wood yes and so you get the the mesquite kiss flavor that i mean i, I hate using the word authentic but it, it, it's authentic once again just like his restaurant is like a small piece of texas lifted and transported this is a small piece of really kind of west texas um, more like El Paso's hometown, lifted and moved over to Charleston, and a must a must visit if you're into that. Yeah, it was it was excellent. Uh, so then then we move on to Sunday, our, our final day of the festival. Um, we went to the Culinary Village because again we we hadn't gotten to just walk around and enjoy the Culinary Village, and so we we spent you know part of the afternoon out there on Sunday, um, just all the different drinks and food and music and chef demos and all the other stuff that goes on out there i mean there's so much to see and do um again it's the riverfront park is such a great setting it's such a pretty place the weather was phenomenal you know and it's it it just makes you fall in love with charleston yeah i mean it it is again two two very different experiences culinary village outside events um, and you can do both or, or one or the other, you know, for a first timer, we'd, we'd probably recommend again, doing at least one day of the culinary village and then doing a, a couple of events as well. Uh, maybe three events, as many as you can squeeze in, but probably not over the top like we do. <laughs> um, but after, after imbibing there, um, then we went to go eat lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were, our, our last night of the trip, we were staying in Mount Pleasant. Um, which is, I mean, just over across the bridge from Charleston. Uh, if you're not familiar with the geography of Charleston, it's, I mean, it's, it's actually a fairly small city footprint wise in geography, but there's, there's different pockets to it. And Mount Pleasant is on the like East side, I guess, of Charleston, if, if you're looking at it on a map. 
Um, but we uh, were staying in Mount Pleasant this last night, and, and one of our Uber drivers was actually telling us about Shims Creek, and it's really pretty out there. It's right on the water, and if you get a chance to go out there and, and, and eat or drink, you know, it's, it's a good time. So we decided to, to stop at a restaurant that was right there on the water, get some bites. You know, We had a couple of beers and just got to relax for a little bit not more not oysters yes, more yes. Oysters and, i say relax as if we had been working so hard yeah. um, but no it was, it was just cool to sit out there on the water for a couple hours uh did that got back to the hotel rested up a bit and then uh then it was time for the the last event the finale event which again continues to be one of the one of our favorite events of the entire festival weekend um, the finale event has a bunch of different chefs Again, more food and drink, more live music. And, and really, one thing to mention, too, this year, I mean, the, the size of the samples was uh, across everywhere was pretty big. Yeah. Um, and this one was, was no exception. I mean, entire slices of pizza that were cooked on site in the, in the oven there. Um, you know, the, it, it's plenty of food. Yes, it is. It really, really is. Uh, some, some of the highlights of that is the Kiowa Island Golf Resort served a lobster and grits dish which was really really good we each went back for seconds on that one um our buddy old dominic lee uh, we, we've been running a dominic at this festival for for several years um if you're not familiar with dom dom was a chef he's, he's from new orleans was a chef in houston for a while and now is opening a restaurant in new york and his cooking is just fantastic uh the fried chicken we had from him yesterday was excellent and uh, Taqueria del Sol, a crab fritter, nice bite. Yeah, that one was really good too. Rodney Scott, his classic ribs. Um, he had he had hog at the World of Pew event, and then he did the the ribs for this event, and and their ribs are really good. So simple, cooked on direct heat, really really good. Um, Rancho Lewis was there, and they were serving mesquite grilled, and they were grilling them on site. Um, mesquite grilled fajitas in a in a mini nixtamalized corn tortilla. That's yeah, what we we did not get the fajitas, and people were yelling at us on Twitter saying, you know, you should have got the beef fajitas, and we we really just couldn't have eaten anymore. I mean, like literally, not <laughs> yeah. even like what desire, like physically we couldn't. So we were yeah. so happy that they were at this this event. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, got a shout out to Edmonds Oast. Last year they they served a dessert that blew us away. This year they came with another great dessert. It was a candy cap mushroom foam, which candy cap is actually a, a weird sweet mushroom. If you've never had it, it's very strange. Um, with maple ricotta cheesecake, salted caramel, and almonds. Really good. A lot of texture in that. A lot of different flavors going on there. Um, but, I mean, just so much food. that We had some grilled oysters that were excellent, too. Yeah, the the, um, the Rappahannock is, is an oyster bar that's in that same property. This one was at a place called the Cigar Factory. Yeah. Um, yet another really very cool venue. Um, so we and those those oysters were just amazing, and we did get second and sometimes third bites at this one. Yep, um, to just absolutely fill our gullet. But um, you know, five days, you know, three hotels, two guys, one rental car, <laughs> um, and all of these events and all of this food. It's, it's it, my God, it's just such a special, special event, special week. Yeah, it's it's just become one of the things we look forward to most every year. I mean, it's it's so I mean, we know it's so different from just our, our typical barbecue heavy world, but we love food. You know, we we don't just love barbecue. We we love that there's a great barbecue component to this festival, and but more than anything, I think we've come to love Charleston, supporting Charleston restaurants. You know, again, we we were so fortunate to to go and have time to eat at several Charleston restaurants. We we had coffee from I think four different local coffee shops while we were here. 
And that's part of what this festival tries to do is highlight not just not just food, but the food of Charleston and, and to get you guys to, you know, to try different restaurants around Charleston because there's so many great small businesses. And for a long time, a lot of that was focused downtown. Uh, and now you're starting to see more of these neighborhoods with these great restaurants like Park Circle that's got Jackrabbit Philly and others. And and there's just great food all over the city right now. All right. So so now here it comes. All right. Your best single bite. We're going to do two best bites. One is in the festival and one is outside the festival. Your best single bite of the entire festival. And I can't choose the same thing, so I'll have to oh, choose something different. Oh, best best bite we had at any of the actual events. Yes. Oh, boy, that's tough. I know there's so many. That's if you want, really I'll tough. go first, and then I get to go ahead, I get go, to take one, and then first. you can't use it. You yeah. can take it. Okay, fine. Uh, it, it was the John Lewis uh, beef fajitas. Um, I mean, we've had fajitas. It's it's not a big deal. We have fajitas. We love fajitas. But um, I'm pretty sure this was the the true inside flap with the real thing, the real fajitas. A lot of people are not using um, the right cut of meat anymore. And it was the, the meat. Yeah, it was unbelievably tender. So, you know, once again, he's got some some great tricks to the marinade and the preparation. Um, it, it wasn't the most unusual or the fanciest bite. But it was just if, if and if we had had the beef fajitas at his restaurant, it wouldn't be my favorite bite because I would have had it. So, as far as at an event, I think I'll go with Hector's dish at El Barrio, the whole hog with hash, plantains, and Puerto Rican rice. Yeah, it would have been one of either either uh, that or even the sausage. Like uh, it was that was tough. Right, yeah. right, right. But I mean, again, there's so many. So okay, so best now we're doing best bite outside of the outside festival? of the festival. Yeah. I'll go with the schnitzel. I mean, it's so hard because it's how am I comparing a swordfish schnitzel with caviar butter to the rib cut at Heights? Like, right, uh, right. Those are two completely different things. They couldn't be more different. And they're both amazingly delicious in every way. If it had been the first time I'd ever had the rib cut, I probably would say the rib cut. But since I'd had it before, it was just as good as, as that first experience. But I, I will go with the swordfish schnitzel. Yeah. I, would, I would almost have gone with the, the caviar um caviar biscuit because that was caviar sandwich but it was so so good to me i'm not a huge caviar fan um, but i i really want to pick something from jack rabbit philly and i'm going to pick something like i said very simple but i just i just really loved it the garlicky greens yeah i mean but, i know that sounds weird to say a, a side dish at this event but, but it was it was great it was i mean again Charleston, you guys are so lucky. You have so much amazing food. If, if you're listening to this and you want to visit Charleston, do it. There's so much to see and do. I, I mean, there's more than just food things to do, obviously. Right. But we're a food show, and that's what we're going to talk about. But so much great food, so much good drinks. I mean, everything about this city and everything about this festival is just top-notch. Cannot thank, you know, big shout-out to, to Colleen and Pamela, the, the head organizers for this festival. They just do an incredible job. I can't even imagine how they do what they do. It's such a massive to undertaking. To just put on just the Culinary Village, which which has hundreds of vendors across all the way. Right, but, but like everything as else. Brian said, you know, over 100 events spread out across five days. You're coordinating chefs coming in from all over the country, product coming in from God knows where, media people coming in, influencers coming in. Like, all the different stuff that they have to organize and arrange, it's amazing. And they do a phenomenal job at it. And all the volunteers at, at all of the events that were super friendly and helpful yeah. and nice. It's just such a well-run event, such a well-run festival. Everything yeah. started on time. Yep. You know, there was, there was obviously with that many vendors, there was a few that were struggling 
um, a single individual vendor, but the events were on time. There, I don't think there was a single flaw that we could see in the event, like right. where something broke or didn't work. Right. Um, you know, they dealt with it. gale force winds the first day, um, and, <laughs> and everything was managed well. Uh, transportation was reasonable. Uh, parking was reasonable, all of those things. But guess what? We we have one more bite that we get to eat before we go board the plane. So now we have to figure out where we're going to eat. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll we'll toss that around and figure that out. But, yeah, we've got one more stop, and then uh, it's back to reality for us. Yeah, well, thank you all for uh, following along. We really appreciate your support as well. Um, you know, make sure you like, click, you know, um, follow us on our social media um, all of those things help and support the places that we talk about because that's the number one thing that we want to do is is highlight these great folks. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. We'll talk with you next time.